What's up, H12? How are y'all doing tonight? Dude, y'all sounded so good. Wasn't that awesome? Isn't it awesome just like to worship God? That was, that was, uh, that was special. Um, well, cool, man. We are, we are so pumped that all of you are here. It's so good to see your beautiful, beautiful faces. Glad you're joining us on Wednesday night. And uh, for those of you that are brand new, you haven't been here before, we want to say a special welcome to you. And uh, like Zach and Joe talked about, we got a cool VIP room for you after the service. I want to get to know you a little bit better. Now, today we're starting a brand new series called Next, called Next, uh, which I'm really pumped about because I think that right now, uh, all of us in this room are in a, in a season of next. Like, there's, there's, there's something ahead of us that's next in our lives. Uh, for some of you, your next is summer. Yeah. Three people are excited about that. Uh, some, yeah, so it's going to be good because there's like no tests, right, over the summer. Is that, is that true, no tests? Over the summer, that's a good thing. Yeah, some of you, your next is summer school, so JK, uh, you do have tests, and that kind of stinks. Uh, some of you, your next is like you just got your driver's license, or you're about to get your driver's license. Yeah. And you're like, freedom! Like, I get to drive with no one else in the car, obey the law, okay? No one else in the car. There's, there's some of you in this room that your next is that you are getting ready to graduate from high school. Where are my seniors at? Raise your hands. Let me see. That's it. Um, all right. Uh, what, 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 what's next for you? Like, what college are you going to? What's happening? Tell me. What college? GGC. GGC. All right. What else? What other colleges? Tell me. UGA? No. That's false. That's false. Paul, real quick. Is any graduating senior going to UGA slash you're my best friend? What? Hey. Okay. Okay. That's enough of that. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna just move on. We're gonna like keep going. Yeah. So uh, so yeah. So no matter who you are, like there's a next for you. Maybe it's summer. Maybe it's NTS camp. Yeah, which is gonna be awesome. By the way, if you haven't signed up yet, I'm telling you, you got to do that soon. It's gonna be unbelievable. But uh, here's the here's the thing about like next. Okay. Whenever we talk about the next. Uh, there's always like two competing emotions that happen, uh, happens when it comes to next. Uh, on the one hand, you've got like anticipation and excitement, but then on the other hand, you've got some anxiety as well. Uh, so like on the one hand, you're kind of scared to death. It's like the fear of the unknown, right, because it's new. But then on the other hand, you're so excited about the possibility of what might be with your next. So uh, I think of it a lot. Uh, like asking a girl on a date, okay? And uh, for those of you, it, any guys ever asked a girl on a date? Any guys? Okay. By the way, when I say ask a girl on a date, let me, let me clarify because that line has gotten blurred. I don't mean hang out with a girl for five months, flirt with her until you know for sure 100% that she likes you. So then once you know for sure you like her and she likes you, then you ask her out. That's not asking a girl on a date, okay? 
Gentlemen, listen in, okay? Free dating advice for you. Have the courage to just ask her, even if you don't know. And the ladies said, yes. They said yes, okay? So I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you do that, it's equal parts scary and exciting. Scary and exciting. So, so I want to tell you about the very first girl I ever asked on a date. And uh, the f <laughs> I heard that. So uh, the first girl I asked on a date, uh, it all started when I was in sixth grade. I know. And there was a girl named Leanna Wilson. Leanna, in fact, check it out. In fact, we've actually got a picture of Leanna. Just kidding. We don't. That's weird. That would be so weird if I had a picture of my middle school crush for all of you to see. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Okay, so, so I'm telling you, Leanna Wilson was the jam, dude. She was awesome. Like, just, like, I thought everything she did was awesome. I thought everything about her was awesome. And uh, this is what I did. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but when you, like, when you really like someone, you assume that everything they do means they like you back, okay? So we would, like, talk. And uh, we would talk, and then she would, like, flip her hair. I was like, bro, did you see that? Leanna flipped her hair. And everyone knows that means she loves me. Like, we're getting ready to date right now because she flipped. Bro, she flipped her hair. She doesn't flip her hair for anyone. She loves me, right? Or, um, or like, I would, I would, like, pass Leanna in the hall, and I'd say, hey. And then she would say, hey, back to me. A.K.A. we're getting married. Well, I'm telling you, man. It was like, she loves me like she does. So, uh, but again, the thought of my next with her, it was equal parts, like, so exciting, but also very scary. And so getting the courage to ask her on a date was difficult. So my eighth grade year, okay, fast forward, my eighth grade year, still had a crush on Leanna Wilson. And, uh, and we were on this, like, uh, this, this overnight school trip. Do you guys still do those? Like you? No? That is so sad. Okay, well, anyways, here it is. So we went on an overnight uh, school trip, and I was rooming with a guy named Brian, who was one of my really good friends. And so we're talking, and come to find out, Brian likes Leanna, too. I know. And I know what you're thinking, I know, you're thinking, well, obviously, you guys did this, like something, right, like something, and the we, I don't, I can't explain middle schoolers, okay, and, and so that means I can't explain myself either, so for whatever reason, instead of like fighting, we just like, we just got together and like we got excited about the fact that we both like the same girl, it was weird, so it was like, whoa, wait, hold on, you like Leanna, and he's like, yeah, her hair is awesome. I'm like, dude, her hair is awesome. You're right. And her eyes, he's like, bro, her eyes are so good. And like, we just like her more and more. It's weird. Uh, so then, but again, both of us, both of us had the same fear, right? Of like, well, asking her out is a scary thing to do. It's so scary. 
And uh, so, so we were afraid, even though it was exciting, the possibility of next with her, we were afraid to actually ask her on a date. Um, that is, we were afraid to ask her on a date separately. But together, we found courage. So, by the way, this is not a how-to, okay? Don't ever do this. But literally, you think I'm making this up. This is what happened. He called her on the phone, and he said, hey, Leanna, this is Brian. I like you. Um, will you go on a date with me? And then he handed the phone to me. And I said, hey, Leanna, it's Steve. I like you. Will you go on a date with me? And we literally asked her at the same time. So now, now she had a choice to make, right? Two eligible bachelors, okay? And check it out. Check it out. She had a choice to make. She turned us both down. She said, nah, nah. And, you know, maybe it's our approach. Maybe don't ever do the ever, ever do the doubt. Like, Brian, that was the worst idea ever. Why did we do that? That's so bad. That's so bad. But again, the thought of our next with her was equal parts exciting and also kind of scary. And I know that, like, like, maybe for you, college, when you think about college, it's equal parts exciting and also a little scary, or maybe you think about summer, or you think about driving, or you think about free, like, whatever your next is, it's equal parts exciting and also scary. And so, and so we think, we think that when it comes to our next, no one cares more about our next than we do, right? Like, we care about our lives more than anyone else. Like, we're the ones that care, so I'm going to plan my future. You can plan your future, but I'm going to plan mine. Uh, this is a phrase Catherine and I say all the time because we think it's awesome. Uh, maybe you've said this. I'm going to do me, right? Like, I'm going to do me, you can do you, I'm going to do me, right? Because we think we're the ones that care the most about our next. That we care the most about what's going to happen next in life, our plans. So we think we have to plan, we have to get stuff ready, we have to look out for our next because no one cares more about us than we do. But here's the, here's the shocking thing. There is a God, and that God actually cares about your next. In other words, you're not the only one that cares about your next. In fact, and, 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 and this may be surprising to you, God cares more about your next than you do. Like, he actually cares about the plans. In fact, in Jeremiah, he says, I know the plans I have for you. Like, I've got plans for you. And in addition to the fact that God cares more about our next than we do, his next is actually better for us than our next. Because see, again, like we care about us, right? Like we love us and we want our future to be amazing and we want to make sure that our plans succeed. But sometimes, if, if we're honest, sometimes our plans like fall through or maybe, maybe our plans don't fall through but they don't end up turning out the way we thought they were going to turn out. And now all of a sudden something we thought was going to bring us joy is bringing us shame or it's bringing us guilt or sometimes even, even regret. Like, you look at a decision that you thought was going to be a good idea, and then you have regret because of it. And in my opinion, regret is proof that we don't know what's best for us. Like, if we knew what was best for us, then we would never have regret, because every decision we would make would be the right one. And we would never look back and say, dang it, I wish I didn't do that. But regret is proof that we do not know what's best for us. But God does. And so God has a next in store for you. He cares more for your next than you do. And his next, check it out. God's next is for our best. God's next is for our best. 
It's not to punish us, not to make us feel bad. His next is for our best. So if this is true, if it's true that God actually cares about our next, and it's true that he has a better next in store for us than we do, then this is the question we're asking. What is God's next for me? What is, not my next, what is God's next for me? And I want to look at a story of an entire group of people that was asking this question. God, what is your next for me? And that's found in Numbers chapter, chapter 13. So go ahead, grab your Bibles. They should be under your chair or maybe in your lap. Uh, I want to look at Numbers chapter 13. This is going to be on page 146. 146, right towards the beginning uh, of your Bible. Page 146. And here's kind of the backstory of what happened. Um, thousands, thousands of years ago, the people of God were actually enslaved. Like they were enslaved to the Egyptians. And while they were enslaved, with no hope of escape, God stepped in. In fact, God himself appeared to Moses and said, and, and, and some of you know the story. He said, Moses, I've heard the cries of my people. I know that they're suffering. I know that they're in bondage. I know they're in slavery, and I want to set them free. And not only do I want to set them free, I want to take them to a new land. I want to take them out of Egypt into the promised land. A land that is better than they can possibly imagine. In other words, my next for these people is for their best. It's out of slavery and into a new land where they can start over. And so our story takes place right when they're at the edge of what God's next was for them. So Numbers chapter 13, verse 1 says this. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan which I'm giving to the Israelites. In other words, the land that I talked about before, the one that I promised to you, the one flowing with milk and honey, and it's going to be incredible, and you're going to love this place. I'm telling you, this next is incredible. He said, I want you to send some people into the land of Canaan, which I am giving. God says, I'm going to give this to you. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So, so God says to Moses, God says, I want you to take 12 people. Okay? And I want you to send them into the land so they can see firsthand the next that I have for them. So this is what Moses does. Moses gathers up 12 people uh, to spy on the land. So let's just use our imaginations. Let's pretend they're ninjas. Okay? Because I like ninjas. So, so he takes 12 people and says, all right, you are ninjas. And what I want you to do is I want you to slide in to the promised land. I want you to grab some food from the promised land. And then I want you to slide out. Okay? A.K.A. me at Costco, okay? Like, this is what I do. Um, like, I, I, Catherine and I both love Costco because the prices are cheap and all that stuff. But the free samples, though, you know what I'm saying? So, I'm telling you, you can walk into that place with an empty stomach and leave full and not spend a dime, okay? Like, those free samples, so, like, we do as much as we can to kind of sneak some samples and grab it and take it and go because that stuff is so good. So that's what he's saying to these 12 ninjas. He says, slide in grab some free samples, and then come back to us, okay? So that's what they do, and then uh, let's skip down to verse 26. So they came back, verse 26, they came back to Moses and Aaron, the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly, so all the people are gathered up and showed them the fruit of the land. Check it out, free samples, it's awesome. So they gave Moses, this, that's not in your Bible, that's me commenting. Anyways, uh, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does. It does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. 
Okay, so the people come back and they say, Moses, Moses, it's just like you said. It's unbelievable. I'm telling you, the free samples are amazing. They got cheese dip and they got lobster dip and then they have all sorts of like sausage and meatballs and stuff. It's amazing. Like you're going to love it in the promised land. God promised this to us. It is unbelievable. Verse 28. But. But. The people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified. Very large. And we even saw the descendants of Anak there. And Anak was a giant. And so they're saying we saw people that were massive. They were huge. Huge. Massive. Like Moses. Like I get it that God has something awesome for us in the future. Like I get it that God's next is for our best. But I'm telling you there were giants In fact, later it says, they made us feel like grasshoppers. That's how giant these people were. Not only were there tons of people there, but their walls were incredibly large. Their cities were massive. Moses, I'm telling you, there's no way we could do it. There is no way we can go in there. We're going to be defeated. That's just all there is to it. And then, verse 30, I want to look at a guy named Caleb. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said this. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Hmm. So these 11 other spies, these 11 other ninjas are like, I'm telling you, free samples was awesome. But the people are huge. They're massive. And the cities are incredible. Like, there is no way that we're going to be able to take over that place. And Caleb stands up and says, we can do it. Let's go. He says, let's go. Let's do it. And... Um, this isn't in scripture, so I don't know. I don't know if this is what happened, but this is what I imagine. That the other 11 ninjas look at Caleb and say, what? Dude, are you crazy? Like, don't you remember what we saw? Don't you remember how massive the people were? Don't you remember the walls that were giant and the cities that were massive? Don't you remember? And then I would guess that Caleb would look at them and say, yeah. Yeah, I do remember. I remember, I remember that the cities were massive. And I remember the people were giants. And I remember the walls were big. But that's not the only thing I remember. Hmm. See, I remember when I was a slave in Egypt. And I remember how Pharaoh and his people worked us to the bone. I remember how there was no hope of escape. And then all of a sudden, God showed up. And I remember how God sent plagues to terrorize the Egyptians. I remember how he brought locusts and he brought frogs. And this one time he turned water into blood. This other time, God himself blotted out the sun. And after sending all of these plagues, finally, 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 I remember how Pharaoh let us go. And that's not all I remember. I remember how all of us marched until we got to the Red Sea. And I remember how the Egyptians were behind us and they wanted to kill us. They followed us. And that there was nothing but Egyptians behind us and Red Sea in front of us. And there was no hope of escape. But I remember how God parted the Red Sea. I remember how there were towers of water on either side and we walked across on dry land. And I remember how the Egyptians followed us. And then I remember how once we got to the other side, God made the water crush our enemies. And then I remember how we were in the desert and we were thirsty. And God told Moses to take a staff and hit a rock, and water came out of the rock. And then I remember how we got hungry, and God himself 
provided food for us. In fact, man, I remember how we would just wake up in the morning. Like, you remember this too. We would open our tent and food was right in front of us. Literally, I remember how God brought food and delivered it to our doorstep. And then I remember how we all got angry at God um, because we didn't like the food. We got tired of the food. So we said, God, if you could only bring us meat. And then I remember how God delivered more meat than we could possibly imagine. It literally fell from the sky. So yeah, I do remember the giants, and I do remember the walls, but I don't really care about that, because I remember how God said, that's our land, and I remember all that God has done for us. See, Caleb, if he were to stand here, and when we talk about our next, he would say, to know what God is doing, remember what God has done. To know what God is doing, remember what God has done. If you want to know what's next for you, the first place to start is what has God already done for us? To know what God's doing, remember, remember what he's done. And see, for whatever reason, we, we do a terrible job remembering things, specifically related to God. I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you, and, and some of you have experienced this, there's like a day where all, like God feels like he is right next to you. Right? Like you, you feel like you're experiencing God and everything is going your way. And God is so real to you. And you're like, this is amazing. I'm never going to forget this day. And then the next day you sleep through your alarm and you're like, God isn't real. This is terrible. And we forget that quickly all that God has already done for us. We forget. See, this is why we sing songs. We don't, we don't gather together to sing songs because the band is awesome. Although the band is awesome. They're incredible. But that's not why we sing songs. And, and, and we don't sing songs just to like hear ourselves. No, we don't do that. In fact, <laughs> I don't know if you, we don't sing songs to remind God who he is. He hasn't forgotten. You know, it's not like we're there singing like, God, there's no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. And then God's like, you're right. Oh, like, I thought there were maybe, like, two or three other people that were kind of up here, like, with me, or, like, maybe a little bit higher, but H12, thank you, thank you for singing, uh, like, I can't eat, like, wow, what would I have done if you guys did not remind me? No, God knows who he is, but we've all forgotten. See, because you're going through something right now, and you've forgotten that there is no one higher, no one greater than our God, that he's greater than your circumstance, he's greater than your heartache. He's greater than whatever you're going through, and we are the ones that forget. This is also why we do baptism, right? We had, we, we had two people last week that got baptized, and I love baptism, and there's so many reasons why I love baptism, but one of the reasons I love baptism is because when I see people get in the tub, it reminds me of how God saved me, right? Like when I hear their stories, I'm reminded of my own story. That's part of the reason why we do baptism, to remember and, 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 you know, like communion, right? Like when uh, 2,000 years ago, Jesus, he took bread and he took wine, and then he broke it, and he said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. I need you to remember what I've done for you. Now, why would Jesus say, do this in remembrance of me, unless he knew that we would forget? He knew that we would forget. This is also why we read scripture. 
One of the reasons we read scripture is because we forget the character of God. We forget all that he's done for us. We forget all, like, we forget that God delivered the people of God when it seemed like there was no hope of escape. We need to remember that because when we feel like there's no hope of escape, we remember that God has already delivered people and that he will deliver us. We forget. And I'm telling you, when you forget what God has done and you think about God's next for you, like there's two opposing emotions, right? There's, there's excitement and then there's anxiety. And that anxiety will win if you don't remember what God has done. But when you think and you remember all that God has done for you, then when it comes to making a decision, when it comes to God's next, I'm telling you, it gives you faith. Remembering, listen, remembering moves you from fear to faith. Remembering moves you from fear to faith. You go from being afraid for what's God, what God's going to do and what's next in your life to trusting God because God's already delivered and he will deliver me again. Moves us from fear to faith. So to know, to know what God is doing, remember what God has done. Remember all that he has done. And so I want to do that right now. I want us to collectively remember all that God has done. And uh, I don't know if you realize this or not, <laughs> but what's happening here is not normal. Okay? Those of you that are like first-time visitors, we're so glad you're here. Uh, I'll just kind of catch you up on all that God has done among us. Um, I've had the privilege of being here for 10 months. And in the past 10 months, God has done something unbelievable. When I first started 10 months ago, uh, I, don't, I don't know if, actually, I don't think he's here. Don Adkins, is Don Adkins here? How many of you were here when we were meeting in Don Adkins' basement? Yeah. You were there? That's his son. Hey, he, he was there. Uh, 10 months ago, we were meeting in Don Adkins' basement. And I think if you would have told me that this is what would happen in 10 months, I don't think I would have believed you. But this is what God has done. See, from 10 months meeting in a basement to now needing an overflow room for people to sit in, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. In fact, uh, I, I, I did some math this past, this past week, and these numbers are crazy. They're crazy to me. In the past 10 months, just here in, uh, in H12, so we're not counting what God has done on Sunday morning, although he's done unbelievable stuff on Sunday morning. We're just counting what God has done here at H12. 34 people have accepted Christ. 34. It's crazy. Hmm. And uh, see, <laughs> I remember when I accepted Christ. And I was not a number. I was a soul. And uh, I went to bed at night and I had fears. And there was anxiety. And there was... Um, there were sins that I was dealing with. And I remember what it was like for God to rescue me. And so that number 34 is very significant because it's 34 souls that have been forever changed. It's 34 families that have been affected by the grace of God. 34. That's un in fact, that's, that, that's many of you in this room. Many of you are in that number and your life has forever been changed. In fact, I've even heard people, uh, part of that 34, that students and adults came up to me and they said, just so you know, this person will never come to church. Well, guess what? They're one of the 34. Unbelievable. That's crazy to me that God would rescue people like that. In addition to 34, uh, there's another number, 21. 
21 students have gone public in their faith and gotten baptized. It's huge. It's incredible. So 21 people have stood up in front of their friends and family and said, I want all of you to know, I want all of you to know that I'm trusting in Jesus and I'm committed to him forever. And that is, that's an incredible, incredible thing. I'm telling you, what God is doing in this room, what God has already done in this room is incredible. Like God is so kind to have rescued people the same way he rescued, he rescued me. And so I know that, um, I know that there's so many stories that each of those numbers represent a story of someone who's gone from death to life. And I wish, I wish, I wish we had time to share everyone's story, but I just want to highlight one. Um, this is a guy uh, who uh, is, man, he's awesome. Uh, his name is Kyle Jasmine. And uh, we have a video uh, of Kyle's story. And uh, I know that this is not everyone's story, but I bet as you listen to this story, you're going to find that there's similarities between your story and his story. Um, and so let's take a look at what God has already done through Kyle Jasmine. My name is Kyle Jasmine. I'm 18 years old. Growing up, I've always had Christianity sort of in the background of my life. Um, me and my family would attend church from time to time. I knew of the Son of Man that lived thousands of years ago, but he just wasn't the center of my life. My view of Jesus became even more insignificant as I entered high school and I solely started living for myself. I started craving popularity and just my reputation and image, and that got me involved in deeply with drinking, smoking, and partying. And my fun uh, could never be enough. I would always have to try to achieve another euphoria. It just led to emptiness that would eventually lead my fun to getting dangerous to where I was hurting others. My parents became extremely concerned with the path and direction I was heading down, and they forced me to go on this mission trip to Nicaragua. I did everything in my power to try to avoid going on that trip, but their decision was ultimately set in stone. So well down there, on the third night, I finally had this conversation with a leader, and it was the deepest conversation I'd ever been a part of. Uh, I became an emotional wreck, and through that conversation, the Holy Spirit entered my heart. This realization finally hit me that the cross wasn't just a relic or something that you wear around your neck, that it was the event of, that everyone should know about, that our one true savior came and became crucified so that my sins could be forgiven and cleansed. Tears just flowed from my eyes as I realized how great it was that his grace was finally enough for me and that fulfillment was placed to where I didn't have to go searching for temporary satisfaction. Since that time, God has just continued to work on my heart and really establish growth spiritually for me. Uh, he's continued to just let me lead others and establish life change with both my friends and family. It's really made clear that my decision, although it wasn't easy, it's been worth it. And he's led me to be a light among my peers. And I'm now even more looking forward to the future where I can be pursuing a call to ministry and hopefully being the light to others and spreading God's glory. Yeah. That's awesome. See, and that's, man, that's who God is, and that's what he does. And that's, that's Kyle's story. And I know, I know for many of you, you have a story that might be similar to that, or maybe there's, there's a few differences. But I know that 
God has worked in my life, and I know that he's worked in Kyle's life, but I know that he's worked in your life too. And as we think about what God has next for us, I'm telling you, I believe God has way more for us than we can possibly imagine. But first, first we need to remember. So here's what I want us to do right now. Um, Under your chair, there should be a card that says, my story. And I want you to grab that. And to know what God is doing, we have to remember what God has done. And so, and so I'm going to pray for you in just a second, and then the band is going to come up, and they're going to lead us in one more song. Um, but I would ask that while they're leading you in the song, that you would take this time to write down your story. And maybe, maybe for some of you, you've already done this, and this is like, this is not a new thing, but I know that there's many of you in this room, that you've never actually written down your story. That as you think about what God has done for you, you've never actually articulated it, you've never told anyone, you've never written it down. And I know, I know that God has rescued me, and he's rescued many of us from addictions. Like he's rescued us from self-destructive behaviors. He's rescued us from things that, that, that we would be ashamed to speak of, but God knows, and he has rescued us. And it's, it's so important that we don't move too fast to forget what God has already done in our lives, to forget how God has rescued us from sin, how he's broken the chains of slavery, how there's no more guilt, no more shame, no more condemnation. In fact, for some of you, your story is linked to someone else's story. And as you think about maybe a family member or a friend, you've seen God do unbelievable stuff. You've seen God do incredible things. (laughs) And um, this has already happened so many times. A student will come up to me and say, Steve, 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 you won't believe what God did. Like my sister, my friend, me. Like like they start telling this story. And it's like if you heard these stories, you'd be moved to tears. You'd be blown away with what God was doing. And those of you that have come up to me and said that, you know that my, the the very first thing I say, the very first thing I say is, write it down. Like, whatever you're feeling, whatever, like, whatever just happened, I want you to write it down, because you will forget. Because right now, in your mind, God is right next to you, and you will never doubt His love. Like, you know that He loves you, you know that He cares about you, you know that He died on the cross for you, you know that God delivers. You know that God rescues people. You just know in that moment that it's true. But then you forget. And so whenever that happens, I say, I'm telling you, write it down right now. Write it down. Write down what God has done. So I want you to think. For some of you, your story is a week old. Some of you in this room, it was just last week that you began your relationship with Jesus Christ. For some of you, your story is years, years of God chasing you down and you finally surrendering. There are some of you that have been caught up in behavior that you're ashamed of, but that's your story, and that's what God has rescued you from. And I want you to write it down. And this is, you're not turning this in, okay? You're not showing your friend. This is for you. And what I want you to do at the end of it is I want you to take this story and I want you to put it somewhere where you can see it. Could be your car could be like your bathroom mirror, it could be right by your bed, but I want you this week to remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. 
Remember how God has rescued you. Remember all the shame that you used to feel. Remember all, like, remember the weight of sin that you used to carry and how God has freed you from that. Because we've forgotten. We've forgotten. So I want to pray for you. And then once I'm done praying, I want you to write down your story in intimate detail what God has done for you. So God, I thank you. I thank you for these students. I thank you for the stories I don't even know about. (laughs) I thank you for the miracles that you've done that have gone under the radar. I thank you for the life change that you've brought that has uh, inspired other people into life change. I thank you for the way that you've rescued us from sin. I thank you most of all for the cross. Because without the cross, we're not free. Without Jesus shedding his blood, we're not forgiven. But because of Jesus, we don't have any more condemnation, and there's no more shame. And we know that you have an incredible next for us. So bring to mind, God, would you please, please, God, this is what I ask of you. Bring to mind the emotion, bring to mind the truth of what you have done. Would you make it more real to these students than it's ever been before? That these students would know what you've done and that they would write down their story. God, I thank you. And this is all for your glory and for your fame. In Jesus' name, amen.